A word before we get started with today's episode of NTM Talk. While it may go without saying, it's important to remember that all views expressed in this podcast are the opinions based on the experiences of the participants and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have questions related to your own health, please contact your provider. Hello, and welcome to another episode of NTM Talk, where we have in-depth discussions on non-tuberculous mycobacterial lung disease and bronchiectasis. I'm Dr. Colin Swenson, and joining me today is Christina Nicholas from Electromed, the makers of the SmartVest, which is a high-frequency chest wall oscillatory device. In the interest of bringing listeners more information on airway clearance devices, I invited Christina to talk more about the role of high-frequency chest wall oscillation in the treatment of bronchiectasis and non-tuberculous mycobacterial lung disease. Now, Christina has been a respiratory therapist for about 12 years, a decade of that spent in the hospital and ICU settings. She holds a master's degree in healthcare administration from the University of Minnesota and joined Electromed a couple of years ago as their clinical education manager. She's responsible for training new representatives on pulmonary anatomy and conditions, as well as airway clearance techniques. She also trains respiratory therapists on the use of SmartVest and setting the devices up in patients' home. Christina, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. So that our listeners can get to know you a little bit better, tell me a little bit about yourself and your training. Thank you. So you covered a lot of it really well already. I, I did. I realized, I realized as soon as I said it, I guess I did do a pretty thorough introduction. Yes. But just to recap, um, I have been a registered respiratory therapist for about 12 years. And when I did work by the bedside, a lot of that time was spent in the hospital with adults. So in the general med surge units, ICU, step-down ICU, and of course in the ER being one of the first faces a patient would see when they roll in struggling to breathe. And then the last two and a half years, as you mentioned, I've been with Electromed and my team, my clinical education team works to support clinical efforts throughout the country. And a part of that is we get to talk with providers, doctors, nurses, respiratory therapists, um, sometimes even patients, thankfully, about the use of high-frequency chest wall oscillation and smart vests. And I think that's one of the, the really nice parts of the, the smart vest package is that the respiratory therapist actually goes out to the home to help set it up mm-hmm. and to help get the uh, patients really comfortable with it. Oh, absolutely. It's very important. We, comfort is key when it comes to this therapy. It is, and we'll we'll get into that a little bit. Mm-hmm. But first, tell me a little bit about how you got interested in airway clearance therapy. Well, my interest really stems back about five years into my career as a respiratory therapist and seeing some of my patients come back to the hospital over and over again mm-hmm. with another pulmonary exacerbation. Mm-hmm. And I would get to know these patients very well, and they'd come in and they'd ask me, how's my daughter? How's the dog? And I tell them, you know, Mr. Swenson, I really enjoy seeing your face, but I'd rather bump into you at the grocery store than keep seeing you here in the hospital. In the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I found it to be really troubling. Um, I really felt for these patients whose second home was the hospital. So I decided to go back to school, to graduate school, because I wanted to do more than work at the bedside because I felt that they're was a gap. What's going on when they leave the hospital mm-hmm. and then ultimately come back with another lung infection? 
Mm-hmm. It really does mm-hmm. remind me, and, and as somebody who works a lot in the hospital, I also sometimes wonder, gosh, what happens once the patient leaves the hospital? Uh, because we do see so many readmissions. Yeah. And I mean, that's the patient's quality of life. And it's it's a big deal. So mm-hmm. when Electromed called and presented this new job opportunity, I was thrilled because I was able to dive deeper into airway clearance therapy, specifically high-frequency chest wall oscillation, and thinking, could this be one of those key pieces in helping with that gap, helping to keep those patients home and prevent or reduce pulmonary exacerbations and lung infections? And now that I'm immersed in this world of airway clearance, I really do see the life-changing benefits that this therapy has. So tell me a little bit about high-frequency chest wall oscillation. What is it and how does it work? Well, high-frequency chest wall oscillation consists of three main components. So first, you have a programmable generator. The second is you have a hose or hoses. And the third is a vest garment or wrap. The hose connects the generator to the garment. The generator serves to push air into the garment and then pulls it back out. So the garment will inflate and deflate and will provide these quick squeeze and releases against the chest wall. And every time that garment delivers a quick squeeze, it's providing a therapeutic pressure that's creating little bursts of airflow through the airways. And that is acting to shear the mucus away from the lining of the airways. It's thinning that mucus out. And then it's propelling it up into the larger airways where it can be coughed up, suctioned out, or swallowed into the stomach where the body can naturally get rid of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, is there a typical patient who benefits most from this type of therapy? Yeah. So when thinking about that, I always go back to what is essential airway clearance in our bodies. We need three things. We need the correct amount of mucus and the correct consistency, Mm -hmm. we need functioning cilia, and then we need the ability to generate that good, strong cough. Mm. So if one of those things are out of balance or not working properly, now these patients are at a risk of mucus retention. So anyone that has an impaired airway clearance system and resulting mucus retention and has tried another airway clearance therapy um, that hasn't worked, then they would be a great candidate for high-frequency chest wall oscillation. Mm -hmm. So in other words, if the patient, for instance, is on, let's say, an acapella or an aerobica or something like that um, and is still not able to to, uh, bring up or mobilize that mucus, then uh, high-frequency chest wall oscillation might be of benefit. Correct, yes. Okay, okay. Now, you mentioned that the, the, the wrap portion of it or the, the vest portion of it actually does some amount of, of compression. And that mm-hmm. compression, I know that some of my patients have described, you know, feeling a little bit claustrophobic, so they're concerned about starting it. Are there any tips or advice that you typically give in these scenarios? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. It's important because you have these patients that are already short of breath um, with this chronic lung condition, and they don't want to feel even more restricted. Mm -hmm, Um, That's right. So something that's not super well known is that the different high-frequency chest oscillation devices do feel different. 
So some clinics have several the different units in the clinic. And if that's available, it's great to try them on hmm. and see what is most comfortable for you. And then when you are in the home and you're having your device set up by the respiratory therapist in the home, it's a great time to just be candid with that respiratory therapist and tell them, listen, um, I have claustrophobia. I'm worried about the squeeze on my chest wall. And that respiratory therapist is there to make this a comfortable therapy. So hmm. that's going to be working with you. What are appropriate settings for you? What's going to make it most comfortable? Is it shorter therapy sessions more like multiple times a day, maybe 10 minutes, three times a day, rather than 30 minutes twice a day or whatever it may be so that you will be able to tolerate the therapy. So it sounds like there are settings that can be adjusted to make it more comfortable or more tolerable for the patient. Correct. Yes. Yep. Okay. That's good. So that's another, uh, another call out to our listeners to be very honest or very candid uh, when the patient uh, come or when the uh, respiratory therapist comes out to do the fitting. Yeah, this is a, a lifelong device. So we want it to be comfortable so that the patients will use it. Now, a lot of our listeners are already prescribed airway clearance techniques, particularly with uh, oscillating positive expiratory pressure devices, like, for instance, the acapella or the aerobica. Walk me through, for instance, a typical routine. Let's say the morning session. The patient, uh, many of my patients, for instance, will be on hypertonic sodium chloride uh, via the nebulizer. Uh, they may also be using one of these oscillatory positive end expiratory pressure devices. Um, how would the how would the uh, high frequency chest wall oscillation unit work with that? Well, that's a good question. So, when thinking about a morning routine, um, first of all, when utilizing high-frequency chest wall oscillation, you want to be mindful about when you're doing that therapy compared to when you're eating. So you don't want to do it right after breakfast. Hmm. Um, you might, so ideally do it before breakfast. Otherwise, wait, I think an hour is a safe time after you've eaten. Um, make sure you've been able to digest your food before doing the therapy. This is a concern for aspiration then. Correct. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So being mindful, when are you doing it around meals? But then also, as you mentioned, a lot of patients do nebulizers, whether it be a bronchodilator or mucolytic, such as that hypertonic saline or an inhaled antibiotic. And I've heard different ideas of, do I do that before my high-frequency chest wall oscillation, after mm -hmm. my high-frequency chest mm -hmm. oscillation, or during it. I haven't seen any hard evidence to back one way or the other, mm -hmm. as long as you do them, I think mm -hmm. is the main concern. So whatever is going to work for that patient, knowing that these treatments take a fair amount of time. Mm -hmm. So being cognizant of that and whatever it takes so that you do your therapies as prescribed well, I think you alluded to this, that it can really become almost like, and that I get this a lot from my patients, that it can feel sort of like a 
like at least a part-time job, if not a full-time job. And I, I certainly sympathize with that. What I usually typically have the patients do is I have them do the nebulized either bronchodilator or hypertonic sodium chloride, the hyperosmolar agent, while they're doing the the vest therapy just to save time. But I, I know other providers, you know, typically have them do the nebulizer first and then the high frequency chest wall oscillator afterwards. Um, whatever whatever ends up working uh, for the patient. Yes, whatever is going to work well in that patient's schedule. Yeah. And it's important to develop a routine, whatever it takes, so that it just becomes habit. Habit is important. It's very key. Building building that routine is, is everything. Do you typically start them out at, at twice per day? Ideal is 30 minutes twice a day. Okay. Now, knowing that not everyone may be able to do that, as close to that as you can is great. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Or And even working up to it. We're working up to a longer duration of, of time, so the full 30 minutes. Right, right. It's an adjustment, but it will pay off in the long run. <laughs> yeah, I tend to think so. Yes, it so. will. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, do you typically start them at a lower intensity of, of treatment and then sort of work up to a higher intensity, or do you typically set them at uh, the setting they're going to stay at? Another great question, and I really advocate for what is comfortable for that patient. Mm. And typically, it's going to be starting at a lower setting. And when I talk about lower settings, when programming, when programming high-frequency chest wall oscillation, there's two main things that we're programming. The first one is the speed, also known as the hertz. How fast, how many oscillations per second are being imparted on that chest wall? Mm-hmm. The second is the pressure setting. So that's the amount of air or that therapeutic hug that you're going to feel on your chest wall. So starting slow... And working your way up, I think, is uh, going to be the most well tolerated. Mm-hmm. And kind of going in through this inverse motion of you have maybe a low speed with higher pressures, and then you work towards higher speed with lower pressures. Mm-hmm. And that helps mobilize that mucus from those smaller airways, really getting intense down there. And then as you increase that uh, speed that hurts, now you're helping to mobilize it and propel it up towards, towards those larger airways. Okay. So moving from those smaller bronchioles, those really small airways, where a lot of patients, by the way, with non-tuberculous mycobacterial infection, that's where a lot of their mucus plugs are, a lot of their sputum burden is. And so one of the, one of the issues that I run into uh, with patients when I start airway clearance and I just use a hyperosmolar agent like hypertonic sodium chloride and an OPEP device is they say, you know, I'm just not really bringing anything up. I don't feel like it's doing very much. And so that that would be the type of patient where I might consider adding on vest therapy to help, you know, sort of uh, get those plugs out of the smaller airways into the larger airways. Am I thinking about that correctly? Absolutely. Uh, You think about those smaller bronchioles and how much effort and work it takes to really get behind that mucus um, and help to not only propel it up, but you 
you got to thin that out. You got to shear it away and really get it moving. And it's simply just going to work best when you have something that's manipulating the chest wall, like high frequency chest wall oscillation does to really get into those smaller airways and get that mucus moving. And then we move it into the larger airways, and then hopefully the patient is able to cough it up. This is when I typically have the patient use their OPEP device, so the aerobica Mm -hmm. or the acapella, to try to move that mucus up so that they can either expectorate it, bring it out, or swallow it back down. Yes, yes, exactly. And you can, when the patient does those OPEP devices, they can feel that flutter in their chest. And where they're feeling that is, those larger airways. So that's where that's great. But to really get to those smaller airways, that's when um, high frequency chest oscillation is going to be more beneficial. Yeah. And like I said, with, with NTM as a disease, this is a disease that tends to affect the smaller airways. And so, mm-hmm. so I, I think that uh, the high frequency chest wall oscillator could certainly be a key piece to the treatment of it. Now, I get a lot of questions about whether a patient is appropriate for um, a VEST therapy or or another high-frequency chest wall oscillator. For instance, many of my patients have osteoporosis or osteopenia. They may have a history of fractures, whether that's, you know, a vertebral fracture or rib fractures. Is this a contraindication to this kind of therapy? According to the American Association for Respiratory Care, they have clinical practice guidelines that state that the two absolute contraindications for this therapy are head and neck injury until stabilized and hemodynamic instability with active hemorrhage. Hmm, hmm. So osteoporosis or rib fractures is not an absolute. However, it is a relative contraindication, which means there could be a risk involved, but it's ultimately up to the physician to decide. Mm-hmm. So the physician needs to rely on what they know about the patient and their condition to make that appropriate call. And it's also important to note, though, that there are some a couple mobile high-frequency chest wall oscillation devices, mm-hmm. and those ones are quite a bit heavier. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just important for the physician to, I guess, be aware of which device they're ordering, especially for these patients. That's that's really important. So there is a difference mm-hmm. between the devices. So not all high-frequency chest wall oscillation devices are the same. Right, right. Now, related to that, many patients with non-tuberculous mycobacterial infection and bronchiectasis occasionally experience hemoptysis or coughing up blood. And some of them get concerned about airway clearance techniques, including the high-frequency chest wall oscillator, exacerbating that hemoptysis. Now, do you typically give advice to, to these patients who occasionally bring up blood when performing airway clearance? Do you typically tell them to, to move through it or, or to hold the, uh, the therapy? Yeah, so if we go back to those contraindications, hemoptysis, similar to osteoporosis, is a relative contraindication. Okay. So once again, it's important for the physician to make that clinical judgment call. So why are they having the hemoptysis? Is the physician comfortable prescribing HFCWO or high-frequency chest wall oscillation Mm -hmm. regardless of their hemoptysis? And if so, I think it's important 
for the physician to have that conversation with the patient and explain why it's okay to continue to use this therapy, even though they may have moments where they would cough up some blood. Mm -hmm. But now if it's new hemoptysis or if there's a sudden change or it's large amounts or frank red blood, then I would certainly hold the therapy and call Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. provider. And that's my practice too. I typically tell my patients, go ahead and hold off on the high free, high frequency chest or airway clearance of, of any kind for about 24 hours, 48 hours until it's resolved and then, and then restart it if it's not new hemoptysis. Now, if this is a patient who's never had hemoptysis before and suddenly brings up a, a large amount of blood, then that's a different story that would need to be investigated. Yeah. But some patients just sort of have chronic minor hemoptysis and of course get concerned about exacerbating that. Right. Well, it's scary when you see it is indeed. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. is. It's never happened to me personally, but it certainly happened in front of me several times. So I can understand that fun. it is. Yeah. No, no, not fun at all. Well, well, tell me, since you've been at Electromed and, and in this space, can you, can you tell me about a uh, high-frequency chest wall oscillation therapy success story that you've witnessed firsthand? Yes. So... It's been, it's been really fun because in the hospital, I was so busy running from one patient to the next that it really wasn't until I started my job with Electromed that I was able to really see the impact that high-frequency chest oscillation has on patients. And one story in particular that really stays with me is a patient that went into the clinic to visit their pulmonologist. And the pulmonologist, in anticipation of this patient coming in, had um, one of the reps come in with their device so that the patient could try it on in the office before the physician described it. So the patient had a treatment in the office and just coughed up loads of mucus, copious amounts of mucus. And after the session, he stops and he just says, wow. I can breathe. And (laughs) that is so impactful. And that is why I love what I do in changing lives and improving quality of life. Especially for patients with chronic airway disease like bronchiectasis, who have lived with uh, with this feeling of of uh, short either shortness of breath or literally smothering in their own secretions, having something that can that can mobilize that and keep those airways clear. I'm sure that's a huge relief. Absolutely. Well, do you have any words of wisdom for newly diagnosed patients who are new to the world of airway clearance? Yes. I would first of all recommend creating a daily schedule or routine that's comfortable for you and works to fit airway clearance therapy into your everyday life. It, it may be an adjustment to do, to do this therapy every day, but it will help and you will eventually start to feel better. And when you do start to feel better, do not stop doing your airway clearance therapy. You need to keep doing it as prescribed to keep that mucus moving and reduce your risk of pulmonary infections. A very wise person once told me to make pulmonary hygiene as important as your dental hygiene. Ooh, that's a good so, one. I'm going to have to use that in clinic. Yes. Isn't that good? That is really good. I stole good. it also, so now you can have it. Thank but you so much. Yes. Just getting into the routine, making it a part of your lifestyle, and you will see the benefits. 
Well, I'm so glad you mentioned that because it is true that a lot of patients, once they start to feel better, lo and behold, they start to put away some of the very techniques or items that, that made them feel better to begin with. So I'm really happy that you, that you called the uh, attention to the importance of, of continuing to use it even after starting to feel better. Yes. Yep. Another just maintenance therapy and feeling well. That's, that's why we do it. Well, Christina, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me today and for bringing this great information to our listeners. No, it was a pleasure, Dr. Swenson. Thank you. If you have questions about treatment or monitoring or about airway clearance in general, or any questions about NTM or bronchiectasis for that matter, you can certainly reach us at our website, ntmtalk.com, where you can also stream our past episodes and leave your comments. You can also find links to resources on NTM and bronchiectasis. That's a wrap for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, stay well, everyone.